Good evening, folks. So my name is Jesse. I'm from down the mountain in Hickory, North Carolina. It's an honor to stand before you tonight. I'm a little perplexed. Uh, I've been out of America for the last 14 months. I've been living in the third world in some remote places that some of you guys could only dream about going. And I'm baffled because I think I have a new understanding of freedom. You see, here in America, we have everything we need. You know, if we want clean water, we have it on demand. If we want electricity, we have it on demand. If we need medical attention, even somebody without money can go get medical attention. If you're hungry here in America, you can find food. Even A guy found a nice-looking plate of Chinese food in the trash can here a little while ago. In fact, uh, I learned the value of dumpster diving a few years ago. You can find some good stuff there if you want to save a little money on your grocery bill. But we have all of these things here in America. And we call America the land of the free and the home of the brave, but do we really have freedom here? It's like America is a place full of sheeple that have this idea that everything has to operate a certain way and it has to operate against uh, uh, around a certain program and nothing can happen to throw things out of order. That's why a guy standing here on a street corner and talking to a microphone is so odd because everything has to be so orderly and according to the system. Do we really have freedom here? Well, what is freedom? Is freedom the, the ability to have internet access all day or to have electricity and clean water? I just came from a city. It's known as one of the world's most polluted cities. It's called Kathmandu. It's in a little country called Nepal. I don't know if you know where Nepal is. This is the flag. It's the only uh, country in the world that has a flag that's not rectangular. Kind of an interesting bit of trivia. And Nepal is the home of the world's uh, highest mountains. And the, the capital city, Kathmandu, lies in a valley. And that, that valley is, is high and surrounded by mountains, so the dirty, smoggy air gets trapped there. And I can't even go out for a jog without coming back and coughing up black stuff. At certain times throughout the year, there's no electricity for 18 hours a day. Rolling blackouts because there's not enough electrical uh, plants or refineries to uh, uh, hydroelectric uh, plants to keep the electricity to meet the demand. You certainly can't drink the water if you're going to have a well on your property and you're going to uh, use a filter, you better hope it filters out the arsenic because the arsenic levels off the charts. You have temples dedicated to idols made out of wood and stone on every street corner. You have people living in bondage. You have a government uh, that's controlled by the Communist Party. But I find it profound that in a place like Nepal, I can stand on a street corner just like this and preach the same message that you've heard tonight, which in essence flies in the face of every aspect of their false idolatrous religions. And the people there never once would act like I've seen some of you act tonight. Now, I'm, I'm baffled. We're supposed to be a civilized society. We're supposed to be a society that's more advanced than the nations of the world. And my friends, I can go live in the third world where it's putrid and dirty and out of control, chaos on the streets, where you better hope you have a horn if you're going to drive a motorbike down the road. And I can stand and preach about Jesus, the Savior of all men, and radical Hindus and radical Buddhists will gather and listen to the message because what they hear is a message that's different than the message of religion. They hear that you can be free from the bondage of religion. Yet you come back here in America and you want to share a message of love and people want to kill you. They want to throw things at you. They want to tell you you don't have the right to stand there, even though people have the right to do all kinds of wicked and perverted things out here. I'm baffled, my friends. What is freedom? You see, 20 years ago, I've been going in and out of Kathmandu 
since the early 90s. And back in the early 90s, you couldn't go around and preach the gospel. If I were to stand out on a street corner like this, I'd surely be arrested. If I were to go into the Hindu temple and try to talk to someone about Christ, I'd be arrested and deported to, from the country. But something happened a few years ago where that country opened up, the king was kicked out of office, and they elected a parliament, corrupt as corrupt a government as you can imagine. I mean, all the aid money comes in Nepal, and a lot of these organizations here want to give the aid money to the Nepali people, and it ends up in the pockets of the corrupt politicians, even more corrupt than our government here, if you can believe it. But yet it bought a freedom, and it seemed that God opened the door in a dark, difficult nation for the gospel to be preached. And God saved people out of wicked religion. So who is blessed? We think we're blessed here in America because we have all these things. Is it a blessing to have things or is it a blessing to be able to hear the message of salvation and for it to characterize your society? You see, it characterized our society in the early days. The men that founded our country were men that believed the Bible. That's undeniable history. Undeniable history. All you have to do is go to Washington, D.C., and you can read the inscriptions on the memorials, quotes from our actual founding fathers. In fact, Thomas Jefferson says something. It's inscribed right there in the Jefferson Memorial that if he were to stand here and say this to you tonight, many of you would be in his face, pointing your finger in his face, throwing things, cussing him, screaming at him. Jefferson said these words. He said that freedom is a gift from Almighty God. And when the day comes that we forget that freedom is a gift and consider it an entitlement, I fear for my country. And then in these exact words, I fear for my country. I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just. My friends, just means holy and righteous. A holy and righteous God judges sin. That's the same message we're preaching tonight. I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just and His justice does not sleep forever. My friends, that's the same message we're sharing with you tonight. Now, I don't know if you guys have been down here in the pit. There's some guys down there screaming and hollering. We're not with them. You see, we believe that God judges sin, and we believe that God's eternal punishment for sin is hell. But we believe there's an escape from that, and we believe that even the most wretched, putrid, filthy sinner can be washed from his sins through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, I'm here to tell you tonight that Christ Jesus changed my life. I'm not going to come out here and compare myself to you. There's rapid, wicked sin here in this place. And some of you people are wicked. But I'm here to tell you that, trust me, I was, I, I'm more wicked than you. And even the most wicked sinner has hope. You see, if God can change a man like me, a wicked, stony heart, then there's hope for, me, for you. And because I believe there's hope for you, and I believe that God loves you enough to warn you of the condemnation that's coming, I'm going to stand out here and share with you. But it, it amazes me that I can do this in a place that's 75% Hindu, 20% Buddhist, and 4% Muslim, and less than 1% Christian, and the people will stand and listen, they won't mock the name of Jesus Christ. They certainly won't throw things with you. And they'll actually tell you they appreciate that you would come out here to share the message. 
I'm, I'm preaching, man. You can talk to one of my friends here. I think you, I, my, my context is a little broader than the words you just heard me speak. I'm not talking about people here. I'm talking about it. Well, that's great. Okay, well, I'm talking to all the people here, and some people don't know. But I'm here tonight to tell you something very simple. God loves everyone. You, many of you guys know that. God loves everyone. But my friends, we need to define the love of God tonight. Because God's love is not like our selfish, prideful, self-serving love. You know, we use that word very loosely here in our English vocabulary. We'll say, I love God and I love ice cream. Our love is conditional. We say we love our girlfriend or our wife, but then one day when we wake up and don't feel like we love her anymore, we think it's alright to just split and go crawl in the bed with someone else and that's okay because you love a new person. Friends, God's love's not like that. His love's unconditional. And the Bible tells us how God loves everyone. You see, a lot of you would say, well, God loves everyone, and you say you know that, but you don't know how He loves you. You don't care. You don't want to know how God loves you. Many of you are familiar with a very well-known passage of Scripture in the book of John, chapter 316. A very well-known passage of Holy Scripture says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. My friends, I dare say you haven't thought too much about that because that verse tells us exactly how God loves the world. You see, there's a little adverb in the English language. It's just two letters. You use it flippantly and you don't consider its meaning. The word so. That word so is an adverb that tells us how something is done. This is how God loved the world. Doesn't mean God would love the world so much. If you think that, go study English 101. God so loved the world. In other words, in this way, God loved the world. What did He do? He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth upon Him should not perish but have everlasting life. My friends, God is holy and righteous. He hates our sin. The Bible says God will judge our sin. We are guilty. Sin isn't just something we do. It's who we are. We don't, we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're born in sin. We've inherited that nature from our first father. When our first father, Adam, sinned in that garden, we were right there in his loins, and we all sinned. And corruption came into the human race. And God in His justice and His righteousness would have been right in condemning all men to hell. But my friends, God loved us. And that's why right there in the Garden of Eden, when He judged the sin, He made a promise. He made a promise that one day a sacrifice would come to pay the price of that sin. And then He demonstrated it by clothing our first father and our first mother in animal skins. A sacrifice that would be a shadow of the greater sacrifice to come. My friends, God loved us so much that He took the punishment for our sin as a substitute. The Bible calls that a propitiation. A propitiation is a satisfaction. God's righteous and holy. He cannot deny Himself. He cannot contradict Himself. He's not like us. His nature doesn't allow it. But He can take the punishment on His own shoulders and offer Himself because He was God and God became man as a sacrifice to cover our sins. And my friends, that's love. 
But love to you is just a feel-good emotion. In your opinion, God's love is to look at you and turn a blind eye to your sin and to turn a blind eye to injustice. Even Satan knows these things. It says the devils believe in God and tremble. Tremble. The Bible defines marriage. That's not why I'm here tonight, but I'll just enter that in there. It defines marriage as union between a man and a woman. I'm not going to argue the English language as it's existed for the last uh, 700 years. But this is how God loved the world. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. Yet to some of you, my words do sound like blah, 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 because you're, you're reprobate. You've been given over to a reprobate mind. I weep for you. There's still hope for you as long as there's breath in your body. But it's amazing to me. This country's so wicked. Wicked. And in a way, it's almost a waste of breath to stand up here and tell you Jesus loves you and that He wants to save you from your sin if you'll repent because you don't care. But trust me, the day's coming when Christ judges the world in righteousness and the nations are brought before His throne. That there will be nations. Thank you. God bless you. There will be nations that we would consider wicked and lawless that will rise up in judgment against this nation. Sodom and Gomorrah of old. I'm preaching, ma'am. You can talk to one of my friends. Sodom and Gomorrah of old will, will rise up and condemn us because if this message had been preached there, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. The people of Kathmandu, the Hindus that bow down to the statues and live in fear and superstition will rise up in judgment upon this nation. Because I'm here to tell you, when this message is preached there, people repent and come to Christ. You see, they may not have an education, they may be poor and live in a village, but they're at least smart enough to look at the mountains and to look at creation and know there's a Creator God that cannot be understood. Even Hinduism teaches that. Some of you guys think that Hinduism and Buddhism is so cool and you would say that Buddhism is not a religion, it's a state of mind. And I dare say you've never been to a Buddhist nation because they bow down to idols and they have their temples, but at least they understand there's a Creator. And even the Hindu scriptures say that the day is coming when all their gods and goddesses will be destroyed because there's one greater than all of that. Yeah, they're a superstitious people, my friend, but I would say they've got more sense than we do. You folks can honestly look at the rolling hillsides out here in western North Carolina and observe the complexity of the vegetation and the circuits of the wind and the clouds and say there is no God. You can honestly say that the Bible describes you accurately. The Bible says only a fool can say in his heart there is no God. The evolution is not a fact, it's a theory. And it uh, contradicts scientific law. I mean, go study the laws of thermodynamics. Maybe that's a big word for you. But it, evolution contradicts scientific law. Even Charles Darwin himself expressed doubt in his own theory. But you're not interested in that because you're not people, you're sheeple. You hear something and you just believe it. Many of you say, you know, the Bible says this, the Bible says that, and you've never looked at the Bible. You don't have a clue what the Bible says. And the Jesus you claim to know and love, even some of you preachers or pastors out here, the Jesus you claim to know and love is not the Christ of the Bible who fulfilled prophecy and proved Himself to be God. He's a Jesus that you've made up in your own mind, an idol to serve your own lust and pleasures. And my friends, that makes you no better than the villager who bows down to an idol with a large penis and worships it. 
You're no better than that. Because you're just as much an idolater. At least the people in that context acknowledge there's a Creator beyond their understanding and are humble enough to hear the truth. They may not change and their blood be upon their own head, but at least they'll listen. I'm amazed tonight. I'm actually glad the crowd is dispersed. I'm not here to draw a crowd. I'm not here to make a name for myself. I'm really not here for any other reason than I love you guys and I want you to hear the truth. But I'm telling you, I'm about to wash my hands of this filthy nation and go somewhere else because they'll listen where they don't have clean water. They'll listen where they don't have electricity. And your blood be upon your own heads. You know, you want to say, you know, when you hear Jesus preach, you get all patriotic. You hate the government. You hate the United States when it comes to any type of law and order. But when you hear Jesus preach, everybody's patriotic. My friends, the nations of the world, according to the Bible, are just a drop in the bucket before a mighty God who created all things. This nation is nothing before God. Our government leaders, though they reject God, though they mock Him, they act and do according to God's purpose because God does all things according to the pleasure of His will. I'm not here to explain that. I'm not here to argue it. I'm just quoting Scripture. And you guys are barreling into hell with two fingers in your ears. And I love you enough to come here and warn you. In fact, that concept of warning is something that differentiates the God of the Bible from the gods of all other man-made religions. This is love, my friends. A loving God never passes judgment without warning. Now you show me the gods of man-made religions that don't explode with their emotions on people for no reason at all. God never passes judgment without warning. In the days of Noah, God sent a preacher of righteousness that preached for 120 years before the world was flooded. The people were warned. That was the love of God. It says in the prophet Amos that God never, reveal, never sends judgment to a nation or a city unless the prophets of God go forth. Here's something that says in the history of the nation of Israel. I want to read to you tonight from the book of 2 Chronicles. Listen to God's love for a wicked nation that's very much like ours today. America has become just like Israel of old. We knew God and then we committed a double crime. We rejected Him and then we turned to other idols. And, and, and that way we're more guilty than the idolatrous nations of this world. Listen to what God said. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by His messengers rising up betimes and sending because He had compassion and love for His people and on His dwelling place. But the people mocked the messengers of God. They despised His words and they misused His prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against His people and there was no remedy. My friends, the Bible tells us in the New Testament that that which is written of God's people Israel was written for our learning. It was written as an example. Israel was a nation established by God's people who saw Him deliver them from the nation of Egypt. Israel uh, uh, um, made a promise to follow God in His laws. And then they became lax and they turned from the God of their fathers. And God sent unto them prophets because He had compassion and love upon them to warn them of the coming judgment. And they wouldn't listen. God was patient with Israel more than 300 years. But there came a time 
when God's wrath because of His righteous nature rose up and there was no remedy. My friends, I fear that's the days we're living in here for America. There's one undeniable truth about a holy God. There's one undeniable biblical truth and that is God judges nations. In Psalms it says this, The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. My friends, we're a nation that's forgotten God. And like Israel of old, we've committed a double crime. I'm ignoring you, sir. You have no effect on the message whatsoever. I've got the microphone. You can't possibly talk louder than me. And you're really looking like an idiot out there. Go back to school. Pay attention, okay? Well, I could have guessed otherwise. Man, they give anybody a diploma these days. No thanks. But my friends, God loved those people enough that even in their rebellion, even in their rebellion, He sent prophets to warn them. My friends, that's a sign of God's love, not His wrath. If God hated you, He wouldn't even bother warning you. He'd just wipe this nation off the map. And that's not what He's done. He sent to you messengers even tonight. I don't stand here because I think I'm better than you. I'm not better than you. I don't stand on a stool because it makes me better. I basically stand up here just to be heard. I want the most people as possible to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm here simply because I'm living testimony that God can take a wicked heart and change it and save it from its sins. My friends, if there's hope for me, there's hope for you. But I'm also here in love to warn you that God is not mocked. If you continue to sow and sin and rejoice in your sin, you're going to reap the consequences. For some of you, in reality, from the perspective of the sovereign God, there may be no hope. The Bible tells us in Romans that some men don't want to retain God in their knowledge. They don't want to hear the message of God. They want to keep living their own way and God just gives them what they want. There was a king in the Old Testament in the nation of Egypt, Pharaoh. God finally gave him the hardness of heart that he wanted. And he suffered the consequences for his sin. But not before God warned him at the hands of Moses multiple, multiple times. My friends, I'm here to tell you to repent. To repent is to acknowledge your guilt before a holy God. To stop rejoicing in your wicked, perverted sin. Acknowledge the God of our fathers and humble yourself before Him. The Bible tells us to humble ourselves before God and He will lift us up. But you're so full of pride you don't care. Some of you say you love God but you hate me. Friends, I don't hate you. There's nothing you can do to make me hate you. But don't tell me you love God and then hate your brother. You're a murderer. God sees our hatred and our anger as murder. God's so righteous... What you resist persists, and what you accept Wow. That's totally out of context. It makes no, no sense in view of this message. It does, sir. That's what happens when you smoke too much pot. Forgive me, you have to. Pot kills brain cells. Ready, because I don't smoke pot. I'm not gonna... You are such a blazer. Wow, you played the part well, though. Okay. I'm not here to argue. I'm not here to debate. I'm preaching, so you can talk to my friend. No. My friends, I'm here to tell you that you need to repent. I'm not judging. I'm just passing the sentence. God has already judged. It's past tense. It's past tense. It's past tense. Clean up your filthy mouth so your grandmother would be ashamed of you. 
You need to wash it out with soap. What? Your grandmother would be ashamed of the language coming out of your mouth. He's right. Wicked. Wicked. You guys need to go back to school. You need to read and study, do your homework. I'm out of school. Did not make sense, Wow. You're acting like you're about 15. But there's still hope for you. Jesus loves you. Repent and believe the gospel. I'm not going to argue I with you anymore. Jesus, no, you don't. Heart, no, you don't. You wouldn't be talking Why? some filthy talk. You're not speaking the right truth. Bro. Well, the right truth is the Bible. And I challenge you to show me where I'm preaching against the Word of God. You can't do that. I'm going to, actually. But you're not going to listen because you don't care. Listen to this. We're talking about the love of God, right? Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was revealed the love of God toward us, because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. And then it goes on to say, This, my friends, is the record. God hath given unto us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He that has the Son of God has life, and he that has not the Son of God has not life. My friends, the love of God was Jesus Christ. you got two options. It's either Jesus Christ for you, or it's judgment and damnation and the devil's hell. There's no other option. If you reject God's gift of salvation, then there's no escape for you on the day of judgment. There's no escape. In fact, you're already under condemnation. The Bible says this is the condemnation. Light came in the world, but men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. He that believeth on the Son is not condemned. But he that believeth not the Son is already condemned because he's rejected God's gift of salvation. My friends, there's one undeniable truth about your sin. God will punish sin. All sin is going to be punished. God punishes sin. God cannot forgive sin without punishment. So you got two choices. You see, God punished the sins of men on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. There was punishment on Jesus. Jesus was innocent. God manifest in the flesh. Christ claimed to be God. He wasn't just some prophet walking around speaking a mealy mouth. God is love. Jesus claimed to be God and then He proved it by raising from the dead in fulfillment of prophecy. When Christ Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king in Israel, more than 40 specific prophecies written hundreds of years before were fulfilled in one man. Friends, that's not man-made. No man can choose where he's born, what race he's born into, where he's born, how he's born. Please don't touch me again, man. That's offensive. That's offensive. But my friends, Jesus Christ proved Himself to be God. I'm not here to debate with you the existence of God. I'm not here to debate with you the efficacy and the truth of the Bible. I don't need to do that. A great man by the name of Martin Luther once said this, look, they were trying to get him to prove the Bible to be true over against the teachings of the wicked Catholic Church. Martin Luther said this, look, I don't need to defend the Bible. The Bible's like a lion. Let it loose and it'll defend itself. My friends, I'm just letting it loose tonight. You know it's true. Look at the way you react. The way you react proves you're under conviction. 
And the presence of conviction in this crowd is much better than apathy. Because it tells me that God's Spirit is working on the hearts of men. I just pray you won't reject it. You see, you can't even come to Jesus Christ unless God draws you. I didn't write it. Jesus Christ said in John 6.44, No man cometh unto me except the Father draw him. And that might offend you. I'm sorry, take it up with God. I'm not here to try to explain the difference between a sovereign God and a man who seems to have the ability to choose his own destiny. What I am here to do is to tell you to repent and turn to Christ. Repent. Most of you don't even know what that word means, but you hate it so much. You hate the name of Jesus. That's why you use it in vain, day in and day out. Some of the things that's been spoken here tonight, I wouldn't dare repeat. I weep for you folks. I just came from a place called Kathmandu where I've been living for the last 13 months. No clean water, electricity, gone half the day. Smog, pollution, chaos. But even the radical Hindus there wouldn't act like this. They have more sense than you all. But God still loves you and He still sent His Son to die for you. And there's hope for you. You know, Jesus did say this though. Of course you love sin. You didn't need to paint that on your chest for me to realize that. We know that. You've made that obvious by your actions tonight. Hey, quit criticizing here. Check this out. No thanks. No yeah. thanks. I'm going to keep preaching the Word of God. And I'll just kick that little thing off into the water down there. And I'm still thankful we live in a place where there's freedom to preach the Word of God. Now, we may lose that freedom one day, but I'm going to love you enough to still tell you that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Your religion will take you to hell. Your adultery, lies, and homosexuality, and fornication, and your greed, and all of these things are going to take you straight to hell. But there's still hope for you. I'm not going to backtrack on those words. I'm not going to apologize for exactly what the Bible says. I mean, Christ changed me. I'll die for Him. I'm not going to fight for Him. I don't need to. But I'm going to love you enough to tell you the truth. I weep for this country. I weep for this quaint mountain town that's just turned into a place of chaos and wickedness. You're wicked. Wicked! Without Christ Jesus, I'm wicked. That's true. That's true. And that's why you need to repent. Because, no, I'm not, I'm not going to stop preaching. I'm telling you the truth. You're wicked and you're going to hell, but Jesus can save you. Here you are. You are. You need to repent and trust Christ. There's no other way. Jesus Christ said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus proved it when He rose from the dead. That's the proof, man. There were over 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrected Lord. And even if the proof stared you in the face, you would deny it. So you don't know what love is. You know what lust is. You know what self-serving lasciviousness is. You know what concupiscence is. You know what self-serving love is. But here in His love, not that we love God, but that God loved us. No, thank you. But that God loved us and sent His Son. I've got the microphone. I can always be louder than you, so you're wicked. You need to repent. There's hope for you because if God can save a wicked sinner like me, there's hope for you. I can't talk to 25 different people at once. Hug it out! Hug it out! Now I'm up here. I don't want to. I don't want to. You're a hater. You're a hypocrite. No, I love you enough to tell you the truth. See, I can give you a hug and then tickle your ears. That's not love. True love is to abhor that which is evil. 
to cleave that which is good and to not let your love be with dissimulation. For me to hug you and say everything's okay with you would be to lie to you. It would be to be the ultimate hypocrite. I'm preaching, man. Can you ask my friend here? I'm not going to stop to just entertain one person. I'll talk to you when I'm finished. No, it's not. I'm the preacher. I'm not here. It's not a classroom. It's not a classroom. It's rude for you to try to interrupt me, but it's okay. You have a right to do that. That's all right. Some people are standing here. These guys want to hear it. So, um, this is a free country. And I'm thankful for the uh, ability to stand here. I'm thankful for the freedom to tell you folks you need to be ashamed of yourself. You disgrace the heritage of this country. America's wicked. America's corrupt. There is no hope in politics. There is no hope in the president or the government. There is no hope in, in Republican or Democrat. It's all communism anyway. And you guys like sheep will just suck it up. And you're walking down the street just like sheep going to the slaughter. Blind. And the blind lead the blind into a ditch. But my friends, as long as there's breath in your body, there's hope for you. As long as you can breathe, there's hope for you. And through Jesus Christ, you can have new life. Through Jesus Christ, you can be redeemed from your life of sin and pagan idolatry. I don't need the microphone, but I like to use it. That was real mature, man. Real mature. But it's just as easy to stick it back in there. What, what astounds me is some of you folks, some of you folks have been out here since 3 o'clock this afternoon, and you got nothing better to do than to stand here and yell and scream. I mean, come on, guys. If I were listening to somebody preach something that I despise, I'd go find something better to do because there's a lot more you can do with your time here to enjoy yourselves. That has no effect on me whatsoever. Absolutely no effect. Not at all. It has no... Of course it does because you're a wicked, filthy whoremonger. That's what you are. And you're going to burn in hell unless you repent and trust Jesus Christ. I've been doing that the whole time, man. You've not been listening. I read multiple passages about the love of God. That's right. So you're judging me without knowing the context. Shame on you. So you're a whoremonger and a filthy sinner that deserves hell. And the righteous are going to rejoice in the judgment. You realize that? Look me in the eye when you say that. The righteous will rejoice in your judgment. Oh, yeah. When God casts a filthy sinner like you into hell, the righteous are going to stand up and applaud. And that's not my words. You were given a chance, sir, but you're a reprobate. I'm sorry. You need to repent. Of course it is. You're a filthy, wicked reprobate that needs the salvation of Jesus Christ. Psalm 58, The righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous. Verily he is the God that judges in the... I've already read that five times. Yes, I have. You're judging me without a context. So I've preached about the love. We're preaching about the holiness of God now because they both exist. See, God sends sinners to hell, but He provides an escape through Jesus. That's right. And we're all going to hell without Jesus. So people need to repent and trust Jesus. And this ought to make you sad at what you see here. And instead of a, are you a Christian? So I need you to go pray for me right now. I need prayer that I will communicate.
That's right. I need you to pray for me to stop stop being happy about this and weep for these wicked, filthy sinners that are going to hell without Jesus. That's right. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That's called a saint. And if you've been saved from your sin, you'll understand this thing. Well, what is love? You need to read the Bible because the Bible defines love. Love is to be without dissimulation. Now, I know that's a big word, but it means without concealing what we know to be true. If I truly know that men are going to hell without Christ, then I'm going to love them enough to tell them. I'm talking to her, man. I can't have a conversation. You don't know Jesus. You've never read the Bible. Hey, you don't know her. Well, I, I've, she's been out here running her mouth for a while, so I do. I do know. I can't talk to two people at once. Someone get back to teaching. I'm sorry. I'd love to talk to you, but I can't fight two people for a conversation. I can't. I can't talk to two people at once. And that's what we're doing. This is love. This is love. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm holding a Bible and a microphone. How can I point a finger, man? I'm holding a Bible and a microphone. How can I? That's right. Jesus is judge. But that's all I've been doing. And I'm going to keep doing it just like I've been doing it. Just like I've been. Look, I'm going to answer to God, okay? I love you. I love these people. And I'm just going to tell you I'm going to keep preaching, okay? God bless you. My friends, there's a day coming when God's going to judge the wrong righteousness. And even some of the most pagan, idolatrous nations of this earth are going to rise up in judgment against this riffraff. No, I don't, I don't care No, I don't. It's one. No, I don't care to slap it. I've got a Bible in a hand and a microphone in the other. I don't have a clue. You got no drunkard or inherit the kingdom of God. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You need to repent. Thank you. God bless you. That looks really tasty. I'm going to have to go get one when I'm done. I don't need to hit it. I've got a Bible in one hand and I've got a, a microphone in the other. Everybody thinks they know Jesus, and everybody loves Jesus. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Jesus said these eight words. He said it twice. Except you repent, you will all likewise perish. In John 7:24, Jesus said, Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And my friends, righteous judgment is judgment according to the Word of God. And the Word of God says no drunkard, no idolater, no fornicator, no adulterer, no whoremonger, the effeminate, liars, thieves, will get into the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that hell awaits those who die in their sin. And my friends, I'm here to warn you. You guys rejoice over a place called hell. But you beray, you beray your ignorance tonight. Let me hear, I'm, I'm here to make an announcement tonight. I'm here to make an announcement in case you haven't heard. Attention. Attention. I'm here to make an announcement. My friends, the party in hell has been canceled due to the fire. My friends, the party in hell has 
been canceled due to the fire. You see, Jesus talked more about hell than He did about heaven. And Jesus described hell as a place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Some of you think that you want to go to hell because it separates you from God and you can be rid of this God, you can be rid of this Jesus and exist for all eternity without Him. My friends, hell doesn't separate you from God. The Bible says even in the lowest hell, God is there. The Bible says in Isaiah 66 that hell will be a testimony before the Lamb and before God and before the righteous for all of eternity of God's righteous and holy nature. So my friend, you can't, you can't escape God here. You can't escape Him in hell. And you can't escape the witness of His law. It's written on your conscience. You guys know the difference between right and wrong. You don't need a Bible to know it's wrong to lie and to steal. You don't need to know Jesus to know that you're going to be judged for your adultery and your fornication. You've got a conscience given to you by God. Something that evolution cannot explain. And your conscience has already condemned you. But you've seared it like a hot iron because you love your sin. Jesus' words are appropriate. This is the condemnation. Light came in the world, but men like cockroaches love darkness rather than light. When you turn the light on in a room, the cockroaches scatter. The light's been turned on, and like cockroaches, you go crazy. You scatter. You scatter. Proof that the Word of God is true. Many of you think you're mocking Jesus and proving the Bible to be untrue, but your actions do not actually fulfill prophecy. They prove the Bible to be true. The Bible says in the last days there will come mockers and scoffers making fun of the Gospel and saying, where is this Jesus? When is He coming back? All things continue as they always have. But this you are willingly ignorant of, my friends. For the heavens and the earth were created by the Word of God. And they're preserved by God. And there's coming a day when God will judge this creation, not like the creation under Noah of old when He flooded the air. But God will... I'm beating my dick for Jesus. Officers, this can't be legal. If you guys aren't going to do something about this, then shame on you. You don't protect life. This is not legal. Excuse me, police officers. Are you going to do something about this open display of uh, lewdness? See, the law enforcement in this uh, country is just as corrupt as the society. Just as corrupt as society. In fact, if I stood here and you were to hit me and I were to defend myself, I'd go to jail. So that's not going to happen. America is wicked. America's filthy. It's going to find itself on the ash heap of history very soon. I will weep. It's a shame when nations forget God. It's a shame when nations forget God. It's a shame when a a fool like this can stand here and be publicly rude and officers of the police department can stand here and watch and do nothing. Shame on you guys. You need to repent. And I dare you to arrest me for that. This is wicked. I want to receive God. You can't. There's no hope for you. No hope for me, God. There's no hope for you. No hope for me. The law says that every man has a right to be heard. There's something called a heckler's veto. You guys don't have a right to do this. 
but I'll let you know I'm finished. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. agrees with the Bible or not. Well, I can yeah, talk to you. Right, well, talk to one of my friends so I can finish preaching. Enjoy yourselves. I'm giving you guys an opportunity to play your music. I'm going to touch me. Without hypocrisy, without judgment, without condemnation. Nice, guys. I'm a pianist myself. I love that piano. I wish they were a little more transportable. So Jesus said these words in his Sermon on the Mount. The same sermon where Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged. Jesus said, Don't take that which is holy and cast it before the dogs. Jesus said, Don't take tunnels and throw them before swine. So I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to waste my breath with reprobates. But for those of you out there who have a humble heart, Turn to Jesus Christ. He's your only hope. Don't be fools like these men here. These little boys. These little schoolboys here. Don't be fools like that. Receive Jesus. There's hope for you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and give you grace. May you find peace. Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. Jesus Christ. To Jesus Christ be all glory, honor, and majesty, and praise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above you, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. God bless you. My wife and I were walking by and we were just wondering if you felt like Ezekiel. <laughs> Sometimes. So. He was alone, though. I, I, I got brethren like you to encourage me. So. Well, so. You, well, you lost me when you ended. Thanks, brother. You lost me when you ended. Of all the preachers around here, I, you're the only ones that I've been saying listen to. You lost well, I'm me. honored by that. Thank you. You lost me when you just put everybody down by insult. Well, I just quoted I Christ. Know, I, I quoted Christ. I know, but... I didn't give my own words. I know, but don't get down to their level. Don't call them names. Well, that's why I decided I needed to stop. So that wouldn't happen. Yeah, I know. I think that's why you were saying that. Well, thanks for listening. God bless you. Here, have a nice day. There's a message on the back. God bless you. Okay. I've the gospel. Okay. All right. Take care. All right.